from Argus Media, this is Driving Discussions, a podcast series focusing on the forces that affect road fuels globally. Greetings and salutations once again. I'm Jason Metko, spot ticker reporter here at Argus, and on this episode, we're discussing renewable fuel policy, specifically REN credit fundamentals, with our guest, Deputy Editor Thomas Dwyer. Thomas, my friend, good to have you with us here today. Let's lead off discussing uh, RFS volumes for 2021 and 2022 in the Federal Register. I understand this has been a long, arduous process, and it's finally gotten done to a certain extent. Uh, enlighten us as to where things stand right now. Yeah, certainly, Jason, and thanks for having me on. So I cover REN credits for Argus, which are these tradable credits that fuel refiners and importers have to acquire to prove compliance with what's called the Renewable Fuel Standard. And under the Renewable Fuel Standard, or the RFS as we call it, these obligated parties have to gather these credits to prove compliance to meet these biofuel blending targets that the government has been establishing since roughly 2011. And the last three years have kind of been a little bit like the Wild West because the EPA hasn't been able to put out the biofuel blending targets in a timely manner. Not that it's been easy for them. I mean, we've had COVID and that, you know, these targets are directly tied to fuel demand. And when you have COVID torpedoing any type of stability with your fuel demand, it's really tough to make those targets. So I I kind of get maybe why they weren't in a hurry to do that in the first place. But needless to say, those targets have been finalized. And actually last Thursday, they were entered into the federal register. For the most part, so for 2020, the targets were exactly what they had proposed. For 2021, they actually increased the total renewable fuel target. Basically what that meant is they want to see more total renewable fuel, and usually that means ethanol blended into gasoline. In the grand scheme of things, that basically translated into higher D6 RIN credit prices, which is equivalent to one gallon of ethanol blended into biofuel, you get one D6 RIN credit. And so we actually saw in early June, a lot of people, we saw heightened demand for those credit types. They also finalized targets for 2022, Uh, They actually walked them back a little bit versus what they had initially proposed in December of 2021. It was kind of like a tit-for-tat thing between agriculture and oil, because those are the two biggest stakeholders when it comes to the entire conversation about the green transition and things like that. You know, you have agricultural stakeholders wanting to see more of agriculture, I guess, (laughs) into, into their biofuels. And then you have stakeholders on the oil side who don't really want to have to do any of that. They just want to make oil, refine the oil and things like that. We kind of saw this tit for tat thing with the 2022 volumes where the EPA actually walked them back a little bit from what they had initially proposed, but there were also 69 small refinery exemption petitions that were under review and they just rejected all of them in mass. Between those two things, it's kind of like, you know, we're doing this thing, but it equals out here because we're asking for fewer biofuels to be blended but we're also requiring more small refineries to be a part of the RFS and acquire and trade these RIN credits to prove their compliance. Because previously, you know, depending on on the president that currently held office and their own political leanings, SREs could be handed out by the dozens or there could only be a few. We're kind of just seeing this mass denial, but the, the caveat to that is... We're, we're getting walked back biofuel blending volumes for 2022. 
So this log jam has now been rolled away to a certain extent. Right. We've got a domino-like set of compliance deadlines coming up. How does that all intermingle, Tom? As you said, the submission of those finalized volumes into the Federal Register on 30 June has kicked off this kind of stair-step effect for retroactive compliance dates. So 2019 compliance will be due 60 days after June 30th, now that that's been put in the Federal Register. 2020 compliance will come the quarter after 2019 compliance, and so on and so forth, till we're caught up to 2022. It's interesting when that came out, because, you know, it is it is a more flexible plan, but a lot of agricultural stakeholders were not pleased with it, because they just thought of it as this way for the EPA to indefinitely kick the can down the road. Because it is contingent on the effective date of RFS standards, and if we look back at the last three years, the EPA didn't really have a timely release of those. You know, as I said, with COVID and everything, I, I don't think that it was entirely in their control to begin with in terms of like a timely release. It's, it's been a really brutal three years for determining fuel demand, I think. But that framework is in place now, and we'll see if they kind of stick with it in 2023 and going forward, because 2023 is going to be kind of like uncharted territory for the EPA because Congress actually set statutory blending targets through 2022 for which the EPA was to use as as a framework for uh, dictating these biofuel blending targets. Starting next year for 2023, the EPA will actually determine these targets on their own without any outside input from Congress. I think a lot of people are curious to see where the EPA will take this with no guardrails or anything like that. He is Thomas Dwyer. This is Driving Discussions. Thomas, let's discuss specifically here credit pricing and really how this all ties in. Right. So the credit market was credibly liquid after the finalization of these biofuel blending targets. We saw some pop in D6 ethanol RINs as a result of that higher finalized target for total renewable fuels because people typically cover that section of their obligation with D6 RINs because they're the cheapest. Kind of since the end of June, activity has come off of that high a little bit. It's become a little bit more slow and steady. And focus has kind of shifted from those targets to more fundamentals such as the heating oil, soybean oil spread, which is a measure of the profitability of producing biodiesel. Biodiesel producers will look at that figure, and if the hobo spread goes down, they typically raise their offers to offset those lower margins for producing biodiesel. The hobo spread has been pretty choppy since I would say about March for a couple of different reasons. Ukraine is a very big producer of sunflower seeds, and that's also an oil seed. And with a lot of Ukrainian ports being blockaded with the conflict going on there, that's stoked a lot of bullish sentiment in the market, in the global market, that they'll have less access to oil seeds as a whole. And second of all, Indonesia has just been kind of flip-flopping on their palm oil exports. I think a couple months ago, they said, you know, we're not exporting anything. We have to worry about our own domestic supply. They were full to the gills on palm oil. People were asking where to put it. And they said, okay, okay, we can export a little bit of palm oil. And it's, it wasn't enough yet. While Indonesia has been kind of trying to figure out what their policy is on their own oil exports, that's really made a lot of oilseed consumers globally very bullish and worried about 
their supply and their access to these oils, especially to produce renewable fuels such as renewable diesel and renewable biodiesel. A couple more minutes here with Thomas Dwyer, Deputy Editor here at Argus, as we conclude another edition of Driving Discussions. North of the border recently, railroads were in the news. Can you just give us the rundown of how those two worlds have been colliding recently, Tom? Yeah, certainly. Ethanol primarily moves via rail. We don't have any pipelines for ethanol in the U.S., at least that I know of, no major ones. Its primary modality is through rails. It's kind of been a mess since the beginning of the year between workers threatening to strike over vaccine mandates or attendance policies or things like that from from their railroad employer or just general congestion along the railroads as you know we see these bottlenecks in our supply chain as we kind of emerge from into a post-covid world it's gotten pretty bad where embargoes get placed on ethanol plants I've even seen ethanol plants idle their production because they're unable to get their hands on empty rail cars to load with product. And in the spot market, I see a lot of, we have one market called Chicago Rule 11. And basically the Rule 11 aspect of it means a seller will load product into a rail car and he'll lend, they'll lend that rail car to a buyer and the buyer takes it wherever they've taken it and then they'll return the rail car to the seller. And lately, I see a lot of restrictions on R11, which means uh, there's like a regional restriction on it, usually to Florida, because guys in the, in the Midwest around Chicago don't want to watch their rail car go that far and possibly get hung up on, on a traffic jam on the rails, because then they're losing money, because then that's one more rail car that they can't get their hands on to move product with. I'm not sure what the long-term outlook is on, on the rail crisis, but that's just kind of what I'm seeing so far. It's all kind of fluid at this yeah, point. We're exactly. in uncharted territory, supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine. I mean, everything has sort of changed the way we normally think about how these markets should move, especially this time of year, right? Right. Yeah, we just got to take it a day at a time. Tom, great job, my friend. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you on down the line. Right. But maybe things are a little bit smoother. We hope <laughs> yeah, anyway. Hopefully. Thanks so much, Jason. Many thanks once again to Thomas Dwyer for joining us. And that concludes another edition of Driving Discussions, a production of Argus Media. Make sure to check out our previous episodes in this series. And for more information on Argus's global refined products coverage, visit ArgusMedia.com forward slash oil dash products.